need to pray and multiply the pages? Is that what we're... I mean, we can do that, so... Okay, well, while that's uh, being handed out, I'm Jamie. I'm just saying hi to everyone. We are finishing our last sermon and facilitation time during the series called Sila. And this series um, was really born out of Dennis and the staff months ago, sensing that as a church, we needed to just have a chance to just pause and just take a break and not be running all the time. You know how sometimes we get feeling like you're always running? Like the Energizer Bunny, you're just always going, and you actually don't have time to just sit and be still. And so that's the heart of why we're doing this series. This is the last um, message in that series, and we're looking at Psalm 143. And what we're doing is an ancient church discipline called Lexio Divina. That's just a really fancy word for reading the Bible slow and a lot. Maybe not so much a lot, just slow. And what this does is it gives us a chance to just read the text and reflect. Reflect on what God is saying to us from the text. Dallas Willard has a quote. You've probably heard it every week. We're going to hear it again. His quote is this. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. For hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our world today. And really it's a relational thing, isn't it? If we want to grow in relationship with anyone in this life, we have to give time. Isn't that true? And the less time that I give someone, the less relational intimacy will be between me and that person. How much more so with God? If we want to grow with God, there's a very simple application. It's called time. And when we're so hurried by all the different things of this life, and we don't give ourselves that time, we don't grow in relationship with him. So we're just pausing to give ourselves a little bit of time. I'm going to encourage you as we um, go through this, I'm just going to facilitate four times of silence as we go through the text together. I encourage you to think of this relationally. So rather than read the text and then Jamie said, read it twice. So now I've got to read it twice. Think relationally as you read. So maybe picture Jesus sitting right next to you. And maybe Jesus is just pointing out different words to you in the text as you read it. Or maybe picture that you're uh, sitting on the, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus is just pointing out the text to you. But read relationally. Does that make sense? Rather than just read the text twice because it says to read it twice. Okay? So we're reading relationally with Jesus, allowing him to speak to us. A little bit of context for Psalm 143 and then we're going to begin. You see here it says a psalm of David. And the psalmist here is writing um, in a really tough spot. Enemies are surrounding him and crushing him. He says, I feel crushed. I feel discouraged. He says, my heart is faint and I'm appalled. And that language is all the language of discouragement, of depression, of the sense of desolation. So I don't know if anyone is experiencing anything like that right now. But you are in good company because the psalmist is happy to declare, I don't feel right right now, God, and I need you to do something. That's what the psalm is saying. You know that you can go to God and say, this isn't right. I feel discouraged and desolate right now, and I need you. He's a big boy, and he likes that kind of honesty from us. Later on, he says, my soul feels like like a parched desert. My soul is thirsting for you. So if you're here and you... You know inside that you're dried up 
spiritually, I have good news. The Father is happy to pour rivers of living water through you right now. So if you're discouraged, desolate, dry, this psalm has something to say and for you to say back to God. So I have good news. We have a chance to reflect and to hear God speak to us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to begin with the text and working through it. I just want to make a reminder to you, communion tables are available. If you want to come individually, as a family, however you want to come, you are free at any point uh, during this time to receive uh, communion. Also, there will be prayer servants available over here and over here. If you need to receive prayer at any time, you're not going to hurt my feelings to just head on over there uh, during this time, okay? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start with our first section of Lectio Divina. Let's pray. Father, we come. We come because we need you. We've gathered. And Father, there are dry hearts. There are discouraged hearts. There are depressed hearts. And we come because only you can satisfy. Our souls thirst for you. So we give you this time. And I bless every one of my brothers and sisters with revelation and eyes to see you, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So we begin with our first. It's called Lexio. We're just going to read through the passage. You're going to read silently, slowly. Read it a couple of times. Read relationally. Like I said, picture Jesus kind of reading along with you, showing you what's there. Go ahead and begin reading now. Go ahead.
encourage you to read the passage again, reflect again on what you're hearing, and then maybe now ask Jesus, what are you saying to me? What are you saying directly to me from this passage? And then just write down whatever thoughts or pictures or scriptures or impressions that you might get. Just go ahead and write them down in that space there. And just have a time to just try to really reflect, what is he saying to me from this text? And get it down on paper. Let me pray for us, then we'll go into this next part. Pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Holy Spirit, would you just give clarity? Would you give a very clear understanding of Jesus speaking? I bless this church family with revelation. So we come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take some time.
to our third portion of this, entitled Oratio, which is to respond. I just encourage you, uh, you may want to respond to what you're hearing, what you've written down. You may want to ask for clarification on what all is being said to you. You may want to respond by coming to the table and receiving um, the elements or receiving prayer. But it's just a chance for us to respond to what we're hearing, respond to what we're seeing. Let me pray for us, and then we'll move into this third time. Father, we come before you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his death and burial and resurrection for us and for all of creation. We thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross in my place and in our place, that you took my sin and our sin. You became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come to the table to reflect and to remember your broken body, your spilled blood for us that brings us back into relationship with you. So we thank you that you are the host of this table and that we can freely come. So, Father, as we continue to respond to what you are speaking to us, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.
into our fourth and final section of this Lexio Divina, which is maybe my favorite. It's basically a chance to just rest, rest. And um, again, think relationally, that we're just resting with Jesus, thinking about relationship with him, what he's been speaking to us from the text. Um, But just spend some time there. We'll take a couple of moments here, and then we will be finished. Rest. wisdom and revelation as we hear from you, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Part of the great thing about this um, series is um, there is also a New Testament application component to all of this. 
And if you notice on the other side from Psalm 143 on the page, we have a New Testament application, which is Jesus speaks. And there's a quote from John 20, verse 22. And Jesus says to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. And when I saw this and I started looking at the calendar and I mentioned to Dennis, I said, hey, man, did you plan this on Pentecost Sunday? And it actually wasn't going through his mind. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you that so he'll look brilliant, but maybe God's real, right? That you can plan a series, not really thinking through. And oh, by the way, we end on Pentecost Sunday when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? So we're just going to talk just a little bit about what does that mean? When Jesus looks at his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit, we just ask, what does that mean? And what does that have to do with me? I almost said in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in Cincinnati, Ohio, in 2019, what does that mean? Further, what does Pentecost Sunday mean to me? So we're just going to talk just briefly about that, and then we're going to be finished. We have a time of prayer and be finished. So if you look at the text in verse six, the psalmist says something interesting. He says, I stretch out my hands to you. There's something, there's a physical sort of, I'm stretching out to you. I'm needing something. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. And we hear this from Jesus in John seven. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John helps us by translating that. John says, now this Jesus said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus describes the the function of the Spirit as living waters inside of someone. Anyone see the connection between my soul thirsts for you, I feel like a parched land, and then Jesus says, if you're thirsty, why don't you come, and I'm going to give you living waters. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? I mean, that's something worth receiving. That this is not some abstract God who's like, yeah, they're a little dried up, I really don't care. No, this is a God who, in the Old Testament, he let water come from a rock. Talk about the driest thing you got, right? And yet there's a promise of Jesus to everyone in this room. If you feel dry, there are rivers of living water available right now. So Jesus talks about this spirit coming as living water. And John says the spirit hadn't yet come because Jesus was not yet glorified, which is a reference to the ascension, to Jesus going back and being at the right hand of the father. Well, it's interesting to me. Because this quote, John 20, 22, Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. The text actually says that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And oh, by the way, that's pre-Pentecost. Oh, by the way, that's just right after the resurrection. So when the Bible says, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? (laughs) And then Pentecost, later, after the ascension, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit actually enters the space with the people. This is Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, 
they, the early church, were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Interesting. He breathed on them and then there's wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what are we doing with Jesus breathing on people prior to Pentecost? Saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And then we get Acts 2, 40-ish days later. What's going on? I'm pressing this point. Because there are multiple views about what all is going on when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There's multiple views. There's two main views. And the first view is this. When you're saved... You're born again, born of the Spirit. You have the Spirit. That's it. No more. You're done. Just survive to heaven. That's one view. There's another view that says, you know, you're saved, you're born again, but you, there's, a, there's a need for a subsequent experience. There's a need for a subsequent experience. Once you got that, then you're good. Now, neither of those views fit the biblical narrative. Because the biblical narrative describes multiple fillings of multiple people at different times. So you have Jesus breathing, saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, you see the people there and the Holy Spirit comes. Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to share the gospel. Acts 4, verse 31, this is what it says. And when they, the people, had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What in the world is going on? Jesus is breathing on them. Then Acts 2. Then Acts 4. And then more people are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. What in the world? I think it tells us something. Especially for North American Christianity. There is nothing static about our faith with God. There is nothing like, oh, got it, done, see ya. It's actually a a living relationship with God. And there are multiple opportunities to be filled with the Holy Spirit available daily. Now, you may look at me and go, "Uh oh, that sounds dramatic, Jamie. (laughs) How can you say this? You, You can't take the Gospels and Acts and make that a standard for us. I mean, come on. That was a special historical time. You can't do that. Well, let me, I disagree with your statement, even though you didn't actually say it. I'm just giving it to you. But even, let's just take your argument. Let's say that I can't, we can't take the gospel and acts as normative for us, which I disagree with. But let's say that. What do we do with Paul in the book of Ephesians? Here's Paul writing to believers. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's speaking to believers. And he's telling them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm about, I told the first, first uh, service, I'm going to be a nerd, a grammar nerd for two minutes. Just give me two minutes of being a nerd. And then after I'm done, you can continue to think I'm a nerd if you want. But just give me two minutes. The verb, be filled, to fill, in Ephesians 5.18, is described as a present, passive, imperative verb. It is a present, passive, imperative verb verb to fill i'm gonna explain what all that means imperative an imperative verb is a command 
It's not a if you get around to it. It's not a if you want to. It's a command in Scripture to be filled. Everyone seeing that? So like when the Bible says be filled and we go, uh-uh, I don't want it, we're disobeying Scripture. Y'all with me? Okay. It's an imperative command. It's not a suggestion. He's saying be filled. Command. Not only is it an imperative, it's a passive imperative. Passive instead of active. Passive imperative, which means we're to have something done to us. We're not actively doing anything. We're not grabbing the Spirit. We're not paying for the Spirit. We're not getting ourselves the Spirit. Something is happening to us. We are passively, we are commanded to passively have something do, done to us. Are you all hearing this? So I'm not, I'm not getting the Spirit. I'm not earning the Spirit. I'm not prayed up so I get the Spirit. I'm actually receiving the Spirit. And then we're commanded to. I'm commanded to have something done to me. Which tells me there's something that goes on in the heart. We've seen it twice. One of the primary metaphors of the Holy Spirit is wind. Jesus breathes. The wind came. And so sometimes when we think about filling, we think about we're all big pots. And the Spirit fills us like liquid, right? And that's an okay metaphor. That's a biblical metaphor. I'm not hating on it. But I think for, for us as a church family, the better metaphor is the metaphor of wind. And that our hearts are like sails. Like we're sailboats. And our hearts are like sails that open up and the wind comes and fills the sail. Which is more dynamic, right? Rather than I'm going to sit and just bloop, 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 bloop. And then you get some funny stuff and I've said it. Well, I'm leaking today, so I better fill back up. The idea actually is dynamic, that the wind, the Spirit of God actually is moving. So to be filled with the Spirit is to open the hearts, the sail of our hearts to be filled with the Spirit. And then we are to go into a dark world that needs the kingdom of God. Y'all hear me? We're not being filled and then fat. We are filled and going. In fact, the next series we're looking at is called Kingdom Love, which is all about taking the kingdom of God everywhere we go. So we're kind of stepping from this, being filled with the Spirit into the new series of kingdom love. Okay, sorry. I'm supposed to keep going. Present passive imperative means, in the present tense, it's not a one-off, but it's to be continual. Not a one-off, not one experience, not ninth grade at camp, right? But continuously. So it is to say, we are to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Something that can happen continuously for us. That's a little different, isn't it, maybe, than some of our thinking about the Spirit. Well, I had that one encounter. Hey, that's fine. How about today? Oh, I was filled. I, I really was on fire for God. Great. How about today? I'm real dried up, Jamie. That's fine. How about today? He's willing to fill you today. I'm really discouraged right now. I feel pressed in on every side. Not a problem. He's ready to fill you today. This is a command in Scripture. He's not going to be like, you know, I'm not going to give it to you. You're asking. Nah, nah, nah. Even though he's commanding us to receive. I'm, I'm pressing this point because this is not about manipulation. It's not about telling fancy stories. It's about telling you this is what the text says. That we can be continually filled with the Holy Spirit daily. How about minutely? How about momently? Big question. 
How do we obey a command like that? How, how do I position myself to continually be receiving passively something from God? In fact, God himself. Well, it's a sense of just asking. Jesus puts it this way in Luke eleven nine to 13. He says, so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So as we finish, we're simply going to ask the Spirit, ask the Father to fill us with the Spirit. We're commanded to. We have a, an, a statement here about the Father's good intention to give more of himself to us. So I have good news for you. There is more available for your relationship with God right now. And since I studied A.W. Tozer, I feel contractually obligated to give you a quote of his. He says this, we all have as much of God as we actually want. Let me say it again, just make sure. We all have as much of God as we actually want. We are all experiencing as much of God as we are actually willing to experience. Our current level of enjoyment of the presence of God is, to, is completely what we're satisfied with. And what Tozer is after is saying, why don't you get hungry and come for more? Why don't you come for more? I'm not talking about anything dramatic. I'm saying this is what Scripture says is available. So let's stand. And very simply, we're going to assume a posture like kiddos with God the Father. And just put your hands out. If you feel comfortable, just go ahead and put your hands out. As if you're going to receive a gift. And we're just going to confess our need for more of God. And we're going to ask Him to fill us. And oh, by the way, there's nothing special about right now. Right before your quiet time tomorrow morning, you can ask to be filled again. And then on Tuesday morning, you can ask to be filled again. And then before dinner on Tuesday night, you can be asked to be filled again. Some of you are going to experience uh, peace, joy, love, electricity. Some of you will experience healing in your body. Some of you will experience absolutely nothing. And feelings do not matter. It's really about faith <laughs> that we're receiving. Are you all following me? So let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you that you want to be with us so much that you have put your own presence and spirit inside of us to dwell with us forever. We confess our need for you. We've been singing about it this morning that we need you. Marymount Community Church and this community needs you. Cincinnati needs you. So we're asking that you will come and fill us afresh. Hear our prayers. Just pray to Him.
more of you to understand and to experience and to know that you are a good father. Holy Spirit, come fill your people. That we would leave changed. It would not be business as usual. Are there more is available? Dismissed.